Don't want to work forever? Once you can cover your living expenses with passive income, your day job becomes optional and you reach financial independence. You then have complete control over your time, your money, and your life in general. Spark Rental founders Denny Suplee and Brian Davis, me, are here to help you build rental income, ditch your day job, and do what matters most to you. So on that note, let's jump into today's episode, which, like all of our episodes, was recorded live. Hey guys, Brian Davis here from Spark Rental. Super glad to be with you today and glad to have Dave Dubow with us. Dave is a real estate entrepreneur. He's the host of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast, best-selling author, and a private capital specialist based in British Columbia. Uh, Dave, welcome to the show. Brian, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me on the show and thanks for being on my show very, very recently as well. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you having me on there. So I'm glad now I'll be able to return the favor. That's great. So Dave, let's let's start at the very beginning. Let's rewind the clock to when you first got into real estate investing. You know, tell us about that that first investment property. That first investment property was a uh, the garbage stoop on <laughs> one of my mom's rental properties when I was 12 years old. My mother and my brother, who's quite a bit older than I am, uh, had bought a duplex or built a duplex. And they're always talking about this and all this kind of stuff. So I was 12 and I was going, hey, 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 I, I, I want to be part of this. So they let me invest 200 bucks and they probably said, <laughs> you own the you own the garbage. That's, that's your, your part of the rental. Uh, not much happened with that because that was in the 80s. And soon thereafter, the whole implosion of the real estate market and interest rates going up to 20% happened. And uh, life was not good for my poor mother and, and her 50 unit uh, portfolio after that. But I was always kind of around real estate. And then fast forward a bunch of years, I actually ended up living down south, not quite as far south as you are right now, but I, yeah. I spent uh, 10 years in San Jose, Costa Rica, got married, oh, had wow. kids down there, dabbled a little bit in what we would call uh, pre-foreclosure properties, did a couple of those kind of deals accidentally, made a few bucks. Um, so that was cool. And then in 2003, moved my... Costa Rican family kicking and screaming back to Canada and <laughs> started all over again from scratch uh, in Costa Rica. I had a language training company. So when I came back to Canada, I had to do something different. So I saw one of those late night, you too can get rich in real estate commercials. I said, awesome. Because <laughs> they say, you don't need any cash. You don't need any credit. I said, perfect. Because that's what I got. No cash, no credit. <laughs> so <laughs> started doing these creative, low money, no money down type wonky uh, Ron Legrandi type deals, which which was great. Did 18 deals in 18 months. That's how I kind of got started in uh, around 03 to 05. I think around the same time you were you were getting into the whole real estate thing that as is, well. Yeah, that is um, right when I got started in real estate. Yeah. So then I took a few years off, worked in marketing with an up and coming Canadian real estate guru. I jumped back into real estate investing in 2010, doing single family homes, but what's called tenant first rent to own deals. Then around 2013, started uh, investing a little bit more passively, um, operating more as a, as a capital raising side of things for uh, smaller multifamily type deals. And oh, since then, yeah, like, like yourself, Brian, I realized dealing with tenants and toilets is not my favorite thing to do. So I'd far rather partner up with folks that are good at that and and help with the capital side of things. Well, you know, I, I certainly uh, you're preaching to the choir there as far as not dealing with with tenants and toilets. Exactly. Um, so we 
we skipped over so much stuff there, right? You know, de decades worth of real estate experience. And by the way, I love, it sounds like you got really lucky with the timing where you, you took a few years off of real estate investing, you know, in right around that 2008 well, crash. Here's, here's the interesting thing, Brian, it did not affect Canada the same way as it did the States because the way that, that it was going in the States, you know, they would loan anybody with a pulse, a ton of money, uh, virtually, you know, on, on real estate in Canada, we have far fewer banking options and they are definitely a lot more puckered up. So the funny thing is the Canadian banking system is so conservative and slow moving right about the time things started to implode in the States. That's right. When they were just starting to get into some of those really wonky, you know, uh. no qualifying type mortgages. And then as soon as they saw the tide changing in the States, they shut that down immediately. So we didn't have the same uh, fallout that, that you guys did down South. It's still it obviously affected things, but not, not nearly to the degree it did in the States. Gotcha. Okay. Well, so you, you, we glossed over the fact that you bought 18 properties in 18 months. You know, oh, tell us oh, about no, I, I, I didn't, I didn't buy 18 properties in 18 months. I did 18 deals in 18 months. So at, at that time, the only thing I understood was how to get into properties creatively. So these were all single family homes and it sounds very sexy. And a few of them were really good deals, like big, pretty, lovely homes, great, great neighborhoods. Most of them were crappy, wonky properties that had some sort of a, a pretty big challenge with them. And that's why the owner couldn't sell them traditionally with a realtor or even on their own. So it was all about finding motivated sellers, coming up with creative solutions, and then doing my best to, to make a few bucks in between. So I'm talking about things like sandwich leases, options, um, you know, taking over, buying buying the, the deed for a dollar type thing. These kind of uh, creative type real estate deals, not nothing traditional. So I didn't actually end up holding on to any of those properties, which of course, fast forward 20 years, I'm, I'm kicking myself in the ass for that. <laughs> but it, it was what it was. It got me very, very good at uh, finding motivated sellers and coming up with creative solutions. But none of that was a long-term buy and hold situation. And even when I got back into it, I was doing the what's called tenant first rent to own. So we'd find a really good uh, tenant buyer who didn't quite qualify for for financing right now, but had good income and they could qualify in the next two to three years. Then we go buy them a house, typically with an investor partner, and lease option it to them for two or three years while we help them build in their down payment over time and we help them improve their credit so that they could buy it from us at a future date at a higher price, or at least in theory, that's how, how it was supposed to work. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. All right. And by the way, you used a term there that I'm not familiar with, sandwich leasing. Can you explain how that works? Well, yeah, you, you could relate to this because you, you bought, a, bought a, a bunch of properties, single family homes back in the day. The, the first guy I did one of these sandwich leases with, the poor son of a gun, he he heard somewhere that real estate was a good idea and he should have some. And that's about as much education as he got. So he ran out and bought a house, <laughs> a single family home, and he started renting it. And his first couple of years worked out fine. And then he had three tenants from hell in a row. First tenant from hell was turned out to be a, um, a biker. So this guy turned his nice single family home into a biker hangout, outlaw banker, <laughs> biker type hangout. So try collecting the rent from that guy. Try evicting that guy. Try 
you know, following up on noise complaints with that guy. It was a, it was a nightmare. It took him a long time to get the guy out. Tons of damage. Next tenant was a drug dealer. Wow. <laughs> so turned the place into, into a drug house. Third tenant was a nice single mom. He thought, finally, I got a good one. Who then, once he moved in, brought in her drug dealing biker boyfriend. <laughs> 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 so by the time this guy reached out to me, he was fried and he'd had to put so much money into repairing this, this property and, and whatnot. I've been vacant for a while. He was so gun shy. He was bleeding cash. So that was his situation. And I don't think he had enough equity in the property to be able to afford to sell it with a realtor. He'd like to have to come out of pocket to pay commissions and stuff. So I said, okay, dude, here's what I'm going to do. I am going to rent your property. I'm going to lease your property from you with the option to purchase it anytime in the next, I think it was for five years. I think I got the, the option for at this fixed price. So it was, it was the, basically the price he was asking for today. So I, I was leasing it with an option to purchase it. And then I said, I'm going to have the right to sublet this property to somebody else, a tenant who I'm going to help qualify to buy the property from me within the next five years at a price that's higher than what I'm going to pay you. So I'm completely transparent with the seller about what I'm going to do. All the seller is looking for is relief. They just want to get this, this payment off their back. They don't want to have to deal with tenants and toilets. They don't have to want to deal with repairs. So that's part of the agreement. Hey, toilet breaks down. I'm responsible anything happens, I'm responsible. This is a, this is truly going to be a passive investment for you. So that's how we set it up. So then I find a tenant buyer, tenant goes into the property, whatever I'm paying the owner for rent, they're paying me something higher. So I'm getting cash flow there. If let's say I've, I've got an agreement with the seller to buy it from them for $200,000, then my agreement with the, the buyers, they're going to buy it for me for whatever, you know, reasonable market. It's got to be within reality, but let's say it's $230,000 so there's another spread there. So you're getting cash flow and you're getting a spread at the end. Does that make sense, Brian? Makes total sense. And you know, I always love to hear these kinds of creative real estate solutions. Uh, you yeah. can do you could do a ton with real estate if you're willing to get creative. Um, exactly. So that's all I learned at the very beginning. So that's all I knew. So I wasn't really thinking about holding on to properties, which was uh, you know a, a mistake in in retrospect. But you know, uh, it is what it is. It was it was a good way to get started in real estate. So fast forward to when you you re-entered real estate investing. Mm -hmm. uh, tell us about what what that looked like and what kind of deals you you started doing. You know, you, so you started with these creative deals where you weren't actually on the deed in most cases, uh, but then you did start buying property. So what mm -hmm. what did that change in strategy look like? Yeah. So then I went, instead of trying to do all of these different strategies, I laser focused in on one because I was still, I was still doing a, another job or another, another business full time. Right. So this is a part-time thing. So I went to tenant first rent to own where we would find a really good tenant prospect, a tenant buyer. Then we go house shopping for them and we would buy them a, a house that they could afford. And then would be, we would lease option that property to them. All right. So a little bit backwards, gotcha. we weren't, we're, we're doing the tenant first approach instead of the property first approach. So that worked nicely. And, and like most folks I could do, I was at that time, I had decent income and, and credit. So as I was able to get my first three properties under my own financial steam and then bam, hit the wall, ran out of cash and credit. And that's when I started 
looking into uh, raising capital, bringing on joint venture partners. Uh, my first kick of the can there was an absolute dismal failure. <laughs> Lost the deal, got egg on my face, turned a bunch of people off because I was charging around like a bull in a china shop trying to get cash. Uh, but when the smoke cleared, it it gave me the, the whole motivation for really dialing in the, the private capital side of things, the raising capital side of things, especially for these smaller type deals. So, uh, yeah, that's how I got into, into the capital side of things. Well, all right. So, so tell us what exactly you're doing today, you know, working with smaller real estate investors, helping them raise capital. So how are you, how are you investing today and how are you helping other investors? Uh, invest yeah. today? So I'm still investing on the past, more the passive side today, <clears throat> not so much like you are in, in bigger syndications, but more in the, the smaller type deal. So I think when you got your club started, you, you did a few single family home type deals and we did was a lot of work and whatever. It was so, a lot of work, <laughs> too much work. <laughs> well, that's because you're trying to pool a bunch of, a bunch of capital together. In my case, like for my own personal investing, I have the, the privilege and the benefit of working with a lot of mom and pop real estate investors who are doing smaller type deals. So from time to time, I will invest with them as a joint venture partner in one of their projects. Don't do it all the time, but every once in a while, if if I've got the capital on hand and the, the deal looks good, that's how I tend to invest these days is, is in those deals. And then what we do for our primary business, we've got a bunch of things that we're doing. We do a lot of the podcasting side of things on the uh, active helping people side of things. It's all around the, the raising private capital situation, right? So we get a mom and pop real estate investor who just like myself back in the day did as much as they could on their own. And now they're looking to scale, but they realize they need to access that magic OPM, other people's money or credit or what have you. Yeah. So we help them to really set up a, uh, a machine, a process, if you will, to help them attract investors and raise private capital, focusing primarily on their existing network friends, family members, coworkers, business associates, people that they have that pre-existing relationship with. Because Brian, I don't know about you, but uh, what I found is most of us within our, our immediate network have somewhere between one and $3 million of capital available to us to help us grow, grow our portfolio. We just have to figure out who's got it and how to get them to invest with us in our deal. So that's what we help people focus on there. And not so much the coaching and training that comes in, but we actually provide a lot of done for you services because we find most people like, like yourself, probably back in the day, you were telling me your story about how you got onto the online marketing side of things. Well, for most folks, that's a huge leap and the whole marketing thing doesn't come naturally to them. Plus they're, they're working full time. They got families, they got their portfolio they're trying to manage. You know, so we, we take that off their plate and we kind of become their their marketing department for raising capital, so to speak. Fascinating. Yeah. I love it. Well, you know, I want to talk for a moment about the risks that you see in the real estate market right now that maybe not enough people are talking about. And the example that I've been using recently is, is interest rates where, you know, two years ago, we all should have been talking about interest rate risk, but no one was, right? Mm -hmm. You know, everyone just kind of assumed the interest rates would stay low forever. And, and, and of course, since then, everyone has been talking about rising interest rates. But what are what are risks like that that you see in the real estate market right now that not enough people are talking about? I'm going to give you an answer you might not like, Brian, but here's <laughs> the thing. 
I, I realize that my crystal ball kind of sucks to be perfectly frank with you. It's, it's, and, and it's not just me. So I'll give you a perfect example. Remember, it seems like so long ago, the beginning of the pandemic, remember when everything was just starting to shut down and in oh, 2020, yeah. well, my whole business went to crap because I, you know, my business was going out and speaking at RIAs and real estate investment clubs. I had, you know, had a whole year worth of events planned that got shut down overnight. So I'm going, Oh, and everybody's kind of stunned and, and cell shocked. And there was all this negativity around everything at that point. So I, I decided, Hey, why don't I get a, a group of other real estate experts, gurus, professionals, whatever together, and let's do uh, a big group presentation, a webinar, what have you, and talk about that. Like the COVID action plan is what I think I called it. So we did this and I had 17 experts on this uh, on this presentation. We had over 4,000 people signed up uh, to watch this presentation. And yeah, there was 18 of us. That's right. And 17 of us, myself included, predicted doom and gloom for the real estate market moving ahead through COVID. I mean, it just, it, it seemed like the writing was on the wall. Everything shut down. Nobody can go work, you know, real, you know, all it, it, it seems so negative. Only one guy out of all of us predicted that, Hey, this is going to be a good thing. Values are going to go up. Yada, 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 yada. He was the only one. Everybody else thought it was doom and gloom. So that's a long winded answer to your question that quite frankly, I don't know what the hell's going to happen. I don't trust anybody's crystal balls too much anymore. I remember oh <laughs> seven oh eight. You remember that time vividly, right? At Certainly. that time I was working with this, this Canadian uh, real estate guru guy. And we brought Robert Kiyosaki, rich dad, poor dad up to speak at one of our events or he zoomed in or something like that. That was before zoom, but you know what he was, he was presenting at this event. So there's, there's 400 Canadian keener real estate investors in, in this, in this event. And we're all excited to hear Robert Kiyosaki talk. And this was right after the bears stern thing happened. And he came in all flustered, freaking out Robert Kiyosaki, <laughs> right? Rich dad, poor dad, gazillion people watching him on YouTube and everything. He came in and he said, Here's what you got to do. I think you can't remember what it was three G's or something like that. Yeah. Three G's guns, grub, and gold. Get as much of them as you can. Everything's going to, it's Armageddon's coming. I've, I've got a cabin <laughs> up in the woods. I'm, I'm stocking up on guns. I'm stocking up on food. I got, I've got a ton of gold. Everything's going to go to shit. That's what Robert <laughs> Kiyosaki was telling us that, there's 400 of us sitting there going, uh, <laughs> now did things go shitty for a while? Yes. Did they turn into Armageddon? No, they did not. So I'm not, yeah, it wasn't the apocalypse. Anybody, I'm not going to tell anybody what to do. Make up your own mind. What I will say is, you know, after decades of this, maybe what you're doing right now, isn't going to work in today's environment. So what you got to do instead is either find a new market where it still works or adjust your strategy to current market conditions. Cause bottom line, and this has been said over and over again, you know, people are making money in, in real estate, no matter what is going on in the market, there is some way to make money with it. And in fact, when times suck is usually when the biggest fortunes are made. 
Think of the Great Depression. Absolutely. That's when, when most millionaires were created. Uh, hugest loss of wealth up until that time and also the biggest buildup of wealth at the same time by the people that didn't panic and follow the herd. So there's there's my 25 cents worth. <laughs> All right. So how can people connect with you if they are interested in potentially working with you or yeah. if, if they are interested in, in, you know, coming as a guest in your podcast, how, how can, how can people connect with you? Well, thanks, Brian. So what I would like to offer your active real estate investor followers is, Hey, if you're looking to get some exposure, kind of like what I'm doing here on Brian's amazing show, if you'd like to get some exposure for yourself about what you're up to as, as a real estate entrepreneur to be seen as as an expert to stop being the best kept secret within your friends, family members, coworkers, et cetera, then I would love to have you as a guest on my show. It's called the Property Profits Podcast. You might not see it there. And uh, we interview what I call mom and pop real estate investors, everyday people investing in real estate. And we kind of take a, a deep dive into what your journey has been, what's worked, what has worked, big lessons learned. And this is a bunch of things. It inspires people. It might be a few steps behind you and it gives you an amazing uh, platform as well. So Brian, at this point, we're, we're putting together kind of a, a little special PR package for people. There's no cost for this, uh, but we're, we're interviewing our guests. We're creating reels. We're creating social media posts for them. We're creating all these kind of assets that they can use to promote their episode and to be seen as more of a, a real estate expert. So if you're interested in that, you can go to daveinterviewsyou.com, daveinterviewsyou.com. And when you're filling out the questionnaire there, just make sure that you heard about me from, what's the name of your podcast or Brian Davis? <laughs> what's your, the Live Off or, Rents podcast. Okay, let's say Brian Davis, because that's that's shorter and, and easier or Spark Rental. That, that's, I uh, love that one. So just put in there, Brian or Spark Rental, and then that way I'll know that that we'll make sure that we set aside one of these uh, these special PR packages for you. Well, Dave, I love that. And thank you so much for coming on the show. This was a blast. It's a good time. Thank you very much, Brian. Absolutely. Well, you guys, join us next Tuesday, same time, same place. And please, if you enjoy these conversations that we have, rate and review the show. It makes a huge difference to us. It uh, doesn't cost you any more than 20 seconds of your time. And we will catch you next Tuesday. Bye now. Did you know we offer a free eight-video course on how to reach financial independence with real estate? It's super bingeable with each video around 10 minutes long, but packed with information. Visit sparkrental.com slash learn for instant access. And please don't forget to rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us. And we will catch you on the flip side. Shh.